welcome back to Pine of Pipe Podcast, your favourite football podcast. Right, now this week we are joined by the one Charlie Reglan, Cheltenham Town current player. Let's get straight into that. Thank you very much anyway, Charlie, for coming on. It's massively appreciated, but uh, I think where we'll start is with the Tash. Is that for November or is that uh, Charlie Reglan style? <laughs> no, definitely for November. Uh, yeah, I cheated a bit to be fair because I um, this I've been drawing I've been drawing this since the last lockdown. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll take me take me a lot longer than a couple of weeks to get this. It's very impressive. Yeah, yeah you well, just get a full cowboy get up on with that. Are you gonna do the full twist out at the side? And... I have been, yeah, uh, trying trying to anyway. A few of the lads they, they say they can't take me seriously at training and things like that. They just <laughs> they just look at me and start laughing. So. <laughs> Is it something all of the Cheltenham team are doing, or is it? A few are, a few are, yeah. Um, I drew the line, and um, again, I'm talking in lockdowns, in the first one when a few of the lads shaved their heads off, uh, <laughs> shaved their hair off, sorry, all the hair. Um, I, I drew the line at that, so I thought, well, I've got the tash, so I'll just do this. <laughs> no, it's class. Have you got a Just Giving page or anything, Charlie? Or I'm, I'm, we're, we're trying to get the club to uh, sort something out, because there's... You know, not just me, there's probably four or five of us who have done it. So, yeah, once once that's, I know it's late and everything, but we'll set that up and then um, we'll, we'll send the details out there. Yeah, yeah, we'll fight yeah. over and we'll, we'll get it on our on our socials as well. Yeah, nice one, nice one. We'll add it to link in description as well so other people who watch it can start giving some money as well. All right, decent. We'll try and get it promoted for you. Yeah. yeah, well, I need to get it sorted soon, mid-December soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> Over a shared <laughs> month. Bring it up in New Year for November. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, brilliant. So, what was it like for you growing up in in Tenerife, playing sort of youth team football out there, and how it was sort yeah. of when you moved to Port Vale? Uh, well, yeah, it was. I mean, Stoke to, compared to Tenerife's uh, quite a lot different. Um, but no, it was it was great. It was great to grow up there, and obviously, I was very. I look at it now and say I was very privileged um, to get the opportunity, and that's purely luck. You know I me. Mean? My mum and dad wanted to live out there and my dad had a business and, and it just, you know, it took him over there. So, uh, yeah, football was obviously a massive part of my life and um, playing over there was uh, just, just the norm for me, really. You know, I started playing about seven, eight years old and um, it was just it was just normal. So, um, yeah, it was good. How old were you when you moved over there then, Charlie? Uh, well, I first went probably like six months old, but then I came back, we came back. Um, my sister was born, and then um, my dad sort of just, you know, he lasted a couple of year, a couple of years, and thought, you know what, I've had enough, I'm going back. <laughs> so uh, I think I did about one and a half years of school here, primary school, and then um, I went straight over there. So yeah, from about six till sort of sixteen, really, when I came back to finish school, and that was it. Yeah, there's no chance of you going to like Las Palmas or something like that. I think that's the Tenerife team, isn't it? Am I wrong? Tenerife's the main team there, obviously. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, well, we, we played there sort of like youth teams, you know, through the age groups. Uh, the teams that I played for, we always played them. But but no, I never really thought that. Really, it was a case of well, if they don't, they they didn't have to come and get me if they want me. But for me, it was a case of my mum would she wanted me to come back to England no matter what. Yeah. Um, so in my eyes, it was a case of well, I'm going back. I want to play football. So I spent most of my last year of school on trial at different clubs over here. So um, I was, we were determined and 
Port Vale was probably last chance saloon, really. And fortunately, they, they gave me an opportunity. Yeah, amazing. What, what who was your sort of football icon growing up then? Because it's obviously a lot, a lot of people who grow up in England, uh, your Premier League teams. Were you still a kid oh, yeah. on, on Premier League night? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were obviously. I was born in Manchester, and all my family from from there. So it was sort of split down the middle. United City, and growing up, sort of late nineties, was only was only going to be United fans. So for me, it was that sort of team. Uh, Beckham. Skulls, those sort of players. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I had a new United kit every year, um, and and then it was only until I got older really that I started looking at you know people in my my position. But uh, yeah, that that era of football, anyone really, you know, you just watch the game, wouldn't you? And then you go out and you'd be whoever scored a goal on that day, you know, Henri or someone. Yeah. So um, so yeah, we watched all that, and I was just yeah, I was always obsessed with it, and obviously Tenerife is very a lot of English people are there, so. You know, all my mates outside of playing actual football were all English anyway. So right, okay. Could you tell from sort of a young age as well in Spain, like the different style of football out there to when you went to Port Vale? Like, was uh, it quite nice, fancy football in Spain compared to someone giving you <laughs> near good kicking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think looking back now, um, I never really thought there was, but it was a case of. You know, the emphasis of when I came over to Vale, it was a case of, well, you know, uh, obviously, yeah, first contact, you've got to win the second ball. And, you know, no one had ever shouted hook to me before, <laughs> you know, kick it in the channel, something like that. Yeah, it was it was all new. It was all a case of, yeah, it was all past the feet. And, um, yeah, like you say, it was a bit... Because over there, they're all astroturf pitches. So even the age of, like, eight, you're playing on a carpet, really. So... Mm. Uh, you know, it's not like on a Sunday morning; it's lashing with rain. You've you, you just you, you're used to it as a kid. I wasn't used to it, so I came back, and yeah, just getting used to the conditions and things like that were, were um, was different. But uh, I got there in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that, that maybe gave you more of like a cultured upbringing? Like, did you notice that when you came in compared to other centre halves when you got that when you got to England that you were competing with at sort of youth team level that type of thing? Did you? Have a little bit more about you on the deck compared to them. I wouldn't say it was because of that. If 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 people have that opinion, um, I wouldn't say it was. Uh, yeah, I certainly wouldn't call myself cultured. Um, <laughs> but no, the only thing was like a lot of players. I played it. I played. I wanted to be. Yeah, you know, probably played up front for most of the time that I was mm. in Tenerife, and then gradually it was like, well, I want to be a midfielder. But um, and I signed as for Port Vale as a midfielder. I don't know how, but I did. And um, luckily there was just. A few openings in like the reserves and things like that as, as a as a right back, and I just got the opportunity. And then it wasn't really until I was actually a pro, and Mickey Adams at Port Vale just watched a couple of games and just said, "That's it, you're a centre back." So yeah. he probably thought, "You're not cultured, so you're going to be a centre back." <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. So from there, you did sort of move on to to Chesterfield, where me and Josh sort of grew, grown up from, but. Uh, Paul Cook sort of quoted saying that you're one for the future for, for that team. And I think in your first season, was it like 24 games that you made? Might have been a bit more, actually. Yeah, I think it was around that. I think what I, was it I like had a good run. Under Paul Cook? Uh, it was brilliant. I mean, obviously, I listened to the, the last podcast with Tommy Lee and it sort of, sort of brought it back a little bit. And the biggest thing for me was I never really appreciated how good that team was and yeah. what how good... Uh, how good a time it was for that football club 
Um, obviously, I missed the the promotion from League Two, but you could just well, I couldn't really. But going in, it was a for me, it was just normal. I just thought, well, yeah, it's a good team and unbelievable players. But I just thought, well, this is this is how it is. But obviously, as Chesterfield have found out as a football club, it, you know, things like that don't come around um, that often. And um, but yeah, for me, for my First proper taste in in league football. It was well, it was unbelievable, and again, I count myself incredibly fortunate to be to have been a part of it. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like, sort of, make, being a part of the team and that got to the highest at Chesterfield from sort of my sort of time on earth, as you'd say, being as good as they were. Yeah. Well, that was it. Again, I just I just never really realised uh, it was a case of. Well, for me, it was, you know, I was just desperate. I, I got a one-year contract. Um, and, yeah, I, I did, you know, when I first joined, you still had Liam Cooper there. So there was quite a few people in front of me. Um, I hadn't made, I hadn't played a game. You know, I was 21, so I was a decent age. I was, I'd, I'd played non-league games, so I sort of toughened up a bit. I was, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm more ready now. Um you know, for the opportunity and uh, thankfully it came. Although after my first sort of league start, I thought not only my Chesterfield career, but my whole career would have been over the way the way I played and the reaction I got off um, Paul Cook. So uh, uh, either I did well or he did well to stick with me. Um, but I got, I got a decent run in the team, yeah. And obviously we did, we did so well and came so close to something that would have been really, really special um, with, with getting promoted. Did, did Cook have that in his locker then? You say that he gave you a bit of a bollocking after your first game. He, he, he had that then. Because he can't oh, tell yeah. it. It seems like such, how do you say, like massively amiable chap. You can imagine him just as like the fifth person on this podcast being full of banter, can't you? So yeah. it's just yeah. interesting to get that perspective, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he could lose it. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, he'd be bright red and just effing and blinding and spit just coming everywhere. And... <laughs> Uh, that that game in particular was it was my first start in the league because I come on as a sub for ironically at Port Vale and that was my first league game ever um, for Chesterfield we won two one and I done I done pretty well I played like an hour Hurdy Sam Hurd got injured yeah um, and that was he had quite a bad injury so he, so that sort of gave me a little bit of time to get in and then we played Doncaster away uh, which is a great round and all the Chesterfield fans get that one end behind the goal and I just started sorry like I just it was like I had two left feet uh, I didn't know where I was meant to be and I was all over the place and Cookie let me know at half time in no uncertain terms um, that yeah I needed to liven up so I thought well I'll come out second half I think it was Nathan Tyson who's he's at Chesterfield now isn't he? So yeah, he's, yeah he is yeah he's double quick anyway and he's he's got it in the channel and I'm sort of closing down I've slowed down I thought right he's getting it so I just wiped him out but I got booked straight away and Paul Cook's on the side and he's kneeling down on one knee and he's sort of like he's almost punching his head he's that his own his own head he's that annoyed with me and I just was like oh what have I done here uh, so then it carried on at full time and I thought I'm done but um, luckily yeah somehow I played another 20 games that season so you think that was just almost like a a making of you in a way like you need it Sometimes you think of stuff like that in like any occupation, not just football. You almost need a bit of a not a disciplinary, if you will, but just someone to actually say, "Look, that's not that's not enough. I want this out of you. You can do this better. You can, you need to be doing this." Did yeah, that almost well, make you more aware of 
the level you you were now playing at and what you needed. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think it definitely made me realise that yeah, this is the level now, and um, yeah. you know I'm up against some some proper you know decent players who've had good careers, uh, and we were a team expected to do something. You know, it wasn't just you know you can't just walk into this team. I was like you say, I was almost replacing Liam Cooper and Sam mm-hmm. Hurd, who have yeah. who, who were unbelievable. So yeah, the, the biggest thing was he could have easily, I think. He might not. He might have always planned to do it, but he could have easily just gone. He's not ready. That's it. He's done. Yeah. Uh, and that was that was my biggest fear after coming out of that. But he stuck by me, and um, I think he did believe in me. You know, that was the biggest thing I got from him. He always did. I always did that that sense of belief, even though he he lost the plot on that day, which he was quite right to. But in general, he um, he definitely believed in me, and um, he was great for me. And I, I just I just wish I got the opportunity to work with him longer, but. Um, and for the, for the whole team to stay together longer, but that was just the way it went. Yeah, we've just been speaking uh, about about Paul Cook actually before uh, before you came on, Charlie. Cause obviously, Derby have sacked uh, Philip Cocker, Nick's a Derby fan. We were saying we think yeah. he'd be a pretty perfect fit for that, a bigger club for him to to get his teeth into. I, I still really rate him from, yeah. from what he did at Chesterfield, and I don't think he's done a bad job anywhere he's been. No, um, no. I think, I think and he's, he's ready. He's next. He played for Derby as well, didn't he? I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. I might be way off with that, but I've got a feeling he did. But um, but no, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, he's he's, he's ever since Chesterfield going to Portsmouth and Wigan, he's done he's done great, and um, yeah, no, he's definitely up there with the best managers that I've had, and in every, in every way, really, every every way you would judge a manager, he's 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 got he's got everything you need. Yeah. It does look like someone who's going to give a bit of fight to the squad that's probably lacking. So it'd be nice. To, I'd I'd love to have him. I said to you, didn't I, Josh? Uh, people that they've lined up saying, I know Luke, you, you've had a look at odds and said that Rafa Benitez is way off. But <laughs> out of like Eddie Howe and other people that we've been linked with, I think Paul Cook would be absolute class. Yeah, I think he's waiting for that for a job at that of that stature as well. So he'll definitely be keen. Um, obviously, he was heavily back for Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't he? So. Yeah. Um, no, I think any any club that get him will be will be lucky to have him. So something that Tommy Lee actually said on the podcast were in that season where you got to the playoff semi final in League One, it was literally when the season turned was when Eon Doyle left to Cardiff, weren't it? Yeah. Do you think it was? Do you share the sort of same opinion as Tommy? Where if you had got another striker in, you'd have like another ten, fifteen goal striker. You'd have probably gone on and. Maybe you've got promoted to the championship. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it. The bit that you, you, I do forget that that he scored something like twenty six goals before he left, which was in the January transfer window. So it was it was amazing, and um, I think we did have a little dip just after that because I always remember the manager saying, you know, did almost questioning us or challenging us, saying, you know, did, did we rely as group of players? Did we rely on him that much? Mm. Um, and he almost yeah challenged us to to say. He's gone now. We're gonna have to get on with it, and um, and that's it. But yeah, we probably couldn't quite get over the line and and challenge the the ones above us. You know, I think we finished. Did we finish sixth or in the bottom of the playoffs? So yeah, we might have been um, able to to get into automatic places and things like that. But I don't know. It's easy to say. Um, yeah. I think that was probably part of the problem. Like Tommy said, that he he felt like he wasn't backed, and that was probably part of the reason why he he, he ended up leaving. 
yeah. I think they were Daniel Johnson as well, weren't they? I can't I can remember. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true it is, but mm-hmm. at the time, Daniel Johnson were on loan. And mm-hmm. I think there were rumours that there was a deal agreed to, to make that permanent. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. And ironically, you were playing against you for Preston. Him. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. That's what makes it worse. Um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, you look at those players and they all came to Chesterfield probably because of the manager. And um, that was the quality. That was the type of player that we were we were getting in and um, yeah it just it was it was I mean again I look back and I never really think oh well it's what a disappointment I just thought well you know we'll just have another go we'll just yeah. we'll just go again and we'll just do this and whether it's the club or even myself you know I've never we've never finished I've never finished that high again in the um, in the sort of pyramid so these things don't come around all the time and when you get the opportunity you just hope that the club and everybody's on the same page if you like and you know you make the most of it and maybe maybe we didn't um but then in the club will say well they made sort of whatever it was quite a lot of money a few million pound out of Owen Doyle going and then that success led to a few more going yeah so this is something that uh, we asked Steve Guinan actually but you've played for a couple of different teams now Charlie is there ever initiation that you get up and you have to do a song or is there a go-to song for you when you're uh, when you're doing that? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, I've done that everywhere I've been um, in initiation. But it's got better as I got older. Definitely, I've come come out my shell a bit more. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember being on pre-season tour when I was like seventeen, going away with Port Vale, and yeah, just a team of men, and I was scared stiff, and it was my man was man was crap. So. Uh, yeah, no, recently, I think, my last one, Cheltenham, I think I just, I went safe, but I, I, I belted it out. Uh, Oasis, live forever, so stick to my roots. I see. <laughs> uh, I see some good ones, though. Best, the best I've seen um, that springs to mind was uh, Jamie Mackey at uh, Oxford. Oh, yeah. he, he sort of encouraged a few people to go before him. He sort of said, you don't want to follow me. <laughs> and then, I was like, himself. Uh. Yeah, well, to be fair, then, he's, then we saw why, and he, he I think he strips full, fully naked, <laughs> uh, singing, what was it now? Summer of 69, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like he's got good banter, uh, Jamie Mackey. I've seen him a few times on. What, was, what did he do on TikTok? It's that, like mid yeah. lockdown. Do you remember it went viral? Yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah. dance or something. I forgot now. Yeah, with his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is, he is brilliant. He's brilliant. One of the best I've, I've, uh, I've been in a dressing room with, yeah. Amazing. So, uh, so now you're with your current team, Cheltenham, who are doing really well in League 2, actually, aren't they? How do you fancy their chances this season? Uh, well, it's, it's difficult to, to say. I mean, there's a lot of noise this year around us because we've, we did well last year. And I think, historically, the club is a bottom half League 2 team um, and we've spoken about that obviously the manager um, played for the club and uh, has you know, got his sort of ties to the area so he you know, openly says that you know this club is historically a bottom half League 2 team and we sort of changed that last year um, I mean we had a great opportunity last year and threw it away ourselves so um, but fortunately we have you know unlike that time at Chesterfield I'm not comparing the teams but we have kept the the nucleus of the team and um, that's we're actually disappointed that we've not got more points than um, than we have right now so we've just got a hope that we can um, we've got an actual we've got a break this week uh, of midweek games which is 
sort of welcome. Um, so a bit of time to recover, and then we've got a tough run coming up just uh, leading to Christmas. So that that time will probably tell us where we're gonna where we're gonna end up. I think that's a great mentality to have, though. Like you say, you're, you're disappointed, and you sat. I think is it fourth, fourth or fifth? I think we're third now, but that's because yeah. of other teams not playing as many games. Right, and you just just beat Carlisle um, this weekend. Who I think they, they're certainly close to you in the league. So to have that sort of mentality that it's not enough, and, and you've got to keep going. It's it's yeah. It's just I think it's just a matter of our, some of the defeats. Um, yeah, we've lost four games out of whatever it's been, eleven and twelve. And last year we only lost six all season. So yeah. we built that we built that reputation on. Obviously, it's good for me because the defence got a lot of talk. Um, but yeah, we've conceded some sloppy goals, and um, maybe that is a result of us actually being now seen as a, a a good team. Whereas before it was like, oh well, Cheltenham will roll them over, and then we just surprised them. But now it's like. They're, they're a good team in this league, so we've got to be at it. And a few teams see us as a scalp, um, so it's a compliment. But we're 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 not too worried about it. And yeah, we try not to mention the the p word and um, just, <laughs> just just crack on. Last year, then Chad, you went. Um, sorry, no, I butted in, mate. Go. Um, <laughs> when, uh, so you won the the first leg playoffs last year, two 0 You scored, and then. Mm-hmm. Then, then you didn't get promoted. Well, that was great, but yeah. Then it, then it just ended. <laughs> so, how did the team respond? What was the mood like in the sub two? I bet it was difficult to come back, obviously, from lockdown straight into into playoffs, having not played properly for a few months as well. Yeah. Um, well, it was the lead up to it as well. People were talking about our, um, because there was that PPG thing, or you know, whatever the rules. At one stage, it was like, well, we could actually go to third here and just get promoted so we were a bit like is that going to happen or you know everyone had loads of questions and obviously the whole country was unsure about what was happening um so we, we were yeah just no different in that sense but um once we we knew we were coming back and it's typical the manager he just said listen we're back i don't want any excuses um and you know if you asked us after the first game or you'd have, you'd have seen it would have been like well yeah these these lads are just getting on with it and they're ready and after the first leg it was like well it's it's nailed on but um these things happen and we we just didn't turn up and had no excuses for the second leg and uh i think leading into this season it was a case of all this again a bit of noise or they're gonna have a hangover and uh, like like plenty of teams do and we had loads of examples that we could have gone to but we just that was our main focus that we don't want to we don't want to be that team that just has one good season and then drift away and um, so we're trying to just uh, yeah maybe the expectations more this season but we're we're trying to live up to that and uh, that's what we'll carry on doing I just wanted to ask about Michael Duff a player very close to my heart 300 odd 350 maybe games for Burnley something like yeah. that yeah yeah unbelievable signing for us uh, yeah. cost us 30 grand and was crucial in both our in free promotions to the Premier League yeah. So, as a player, he were outstanding. He doesn't mention it much. Does he not? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he does. Um, as a player, I mean, he was absolutely superb for us, obviously. I think he brought on a lot of the players you see now who've left Burnley and played for England. Michael Keane, Tarkey, who's probably going to leave shortly, sadly. Yeah. Um, 
he, he knitted and then me as well. I just wonder what that's like for you because obviously he's in your position. Has he got? Has he put, pushed you on a level? Do you think with that experience and that that know-how? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I was thinking before, like before I come on. Obviously, I thought well, one of the questions could be like, "What's the best manager you've ever had?" And I'm thinking, well, Paul Cook is right up there. He's, he was always the one that I thought he's given me, he gave me the opportunity and everything. And uh, probably say Mike Appleton's another who I really sort of um, looked at and thought, yeah, he's a really good manager. But obviously, I've had a, I've had a, personally I've had a good time under Michael Duff and playing for Cheltenham has been really good for me personally. Um, and we've we've got a decent side now and things like that. But he, he, even if I got dropped tomorrow, or, well, obviously Saturday or whatever, I'd still say he's pushed me on the most. You know, he's, in terms of like one-to-one development, um, actual coaching. He's yeah, he's he's made me ten times the player that um, that I was. So uh, I can't really thank him enough for that. Yeah, it seems that I've met, I've only met him once. We actually had a um, it was like the first promotion to the Premier League we had was. 2008-2009 when Owen Coyle were manager and yeah. they did a um, sort of there was a, a dinner basically they had the squad back even the manager who left in very acrimonious circumstances he even turned up <laughs> Duffo couldn't come because he was involved in the playoffs at the time uh, with right. Cheltenham obviously so but he did a video link message to you know that, that, that were played and um, he just comes across like such an articulate intelligent work as well like as a fan, you don't really know what what a, what a player's kind of mentality is, how they are, whether they could go into coaching. Yeah. You could just see it from him. I imagine he's quite a sort of inspirational speaker, is he, as well? Yeah, I think, I mean, our biggest comparison as, as players, we always say, if you listen to, I mean, it's, it's clear, obvious why, but if you listen to Sean Dyke, mm. it's, it, a lot of the things he says is a lot of things that he says to us. Mm. And I think... Burnley's success has been built on their mentality more than anything and it is that underdog mentality and yeah. Cheltenham's, Cheltenham as a football club is a bit like that you know like we said he's, he's told us the club historically finishes in a certain place and we sort of rose to that that challenge and um, he's always trying to instill that in us really um, although the style of play I must say is a lot different you know he, he says about how he no it's no no, uh, no slight but I think I wasn't here for his first couple of months um, and I think it was definitely 4-4-2 and a bit like the Burnley way but um, for some reason they fell upon 3-5-2 and, and it's gone from there but um, but no the, the the mentality side of it and um, uh, yeah he's big on he's big on that sort of stuff so um, so yeah I suppose listening to Sean Dyche is the closest comparison um, but just on the promotion the first one we've actually got Wade Elliott now who's um, oh, here first team mind. coach yeah, so he's been with us for the last couple of months and um, comes in, you know, every match day and a couple of days a week to help with certain coaching and analysis and things like that. So he's been he's been good to work with as well. Yeah, I made an absolute fool of myself when I met Wade. I think I think I were about six pints deep and I did do the I'm not worthy at him for about forty. Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be forgotten for fourteenth minute at Wembley, May twenty fifth, two thousand and nine. Yeah, that, that's not been mentioned either. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to touch on Charlie, take it back a few years. You said you grew up on the, the red side of Manchester, you had to pick a side and, and you chose rightly. Um, and then you obviously, in, in the non-league, you went to play for 
FC United and Manchester. What was that like? So I've been to a couple of their games when they've played like Matlock and, and your local. Yeah. The atmosphere and things that they take for the non-league, it's yeah. absolutely unreal. Like all singing United songs and everything like that. Because they are just obviously United fans, aren't they? Or historically. Yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly it. I just, um, I got I got the opportunity to go to, um, they, they do a thing every year. Obviously, they wouldn't have done it this year, but every other year they've gone to... Um, a foreign country so that the year I went it was Germany and I went the following year to Switzerland but they go to like another club that's got the same sort of values so fans have got yeah. ownership of part of the club and things like that um, and yeah I got a phone call and just said like we'd, we'd love you to come so I was playing for Nantwich Town at the time which was probably an hour away from where I lived um, in South Manchester and then um, uh, yeah, FC was was like, yeah, come come along to a training session. So I literally did one training session, and they said we're going to Germany next week for four days. Come with us. So I was like, yeah, fine, no problem. And literally, we took about seven thousand fans with us or something. It was it was unbelievable. Like, I've got videos still to this on my phone still, and we're like, we finished the game, and it's like playing a, a European away second leg or something. You know, the flares are off and. That was in Germany anyway, but say you come back to Manchester and it was like every game when the, the average in that league, you go to Matlock and you get probably 250, yeah, maybe, yeah. If, you're, if you're lucky. Yeah. We would have average three and a half, four thousand every week. <laughs> and, and for me, as mad as this sounds, it was, it was like, because I was 19 then and I was like, this is my chance, 20, 19, I was like, this is my chance to just play regularly. I didn't really think too, too far ahead, but I just thought, as mad as it sounds, this is as close as I'll probably get to playing for Man United. So yeah, yeah. in my head, it was like every time I went out, I could hear the songs yeah. that I knew off by heart anyway. So I was just thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm playing United. Yeah. I was just like, I'll go out and do my best Nemanja Vidic impression and hope for the best. <laughs> and um, and it, it worked. <laughs> well, that's class. And mm. just to flip that to where we are now, obviously, no atmosphere. What What's that like, playing in? Well, yeah, it's absolute and total opposite of... Um, Playing for FC United, and uh, but yeah, it's it's difficult. The, the the scary thing is now we're actually we're just getting used to it, which is sad, really. Um, uh, I think it played a, a well, it didn't play a part, but it was strange. Maybe um, you know, when in the first leg of the playoffs, for example, it yeah. didn't really matter what happened. We were we were just on it that night, and everything went well. The second leg, you're thinking, I wonder if the fans had, might have helped us. You know, even to get on us, like get on our backs, yeah. tell us we're trapped. Um, I, I, who knows? But but yeah, at the minute it's it's sad. It's 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 not great. It's uh, the other problem is I can I can't get away from the manager shouting and bawling. Um, at least you know I used to be able to just give it that one and say what well, you know act like you can't hear the instructions or or the caning that you're getting. Um, but yeah, now you can hear every word. So yeah. it's one of the Look, fans are back soon. We certainly want to get back in there. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So, one last question before we sort of go on to the quiz. Um, what do you make of Chesterfield currently? Obviously, being there in the situation they're in now, 19th in the National League, what do you sort of make of how they were when you was playing to where they are now? Well, yeah, it's, uh, it is a, a massive fall from grace, isn't it, really? I mean, every, everything was so optimistic when... Um, well, that first year, I mean, it did change pretty quickly once Paul Cook had left and 
that second year, you could just sense things were changing. You know what I mean? Dean Saunders came in, tried his best, um, but it, it was obviously clear now. You know, how many, however many managers later on, that it's not the manager it, or or even the players' fault. Really, uh, it's you know, if they're not good enough, then they're not good enough, and yeah. they shouldn't be put in that uh, in that position. Um, and again, because you know the fans are going to quite rightly be used to. You know, they went from promotions from League Two, won the league, good season, League One and two, not great, relegated, relegated again. It's just like the club's been, the heart's been ripped out of it. So uh, it's difficult to comment on what's actually happened. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs. Um, all I can say is from when I was there, you know, you just, you just see it slowly happening and things not, not how they, how they were and how they should be. Um, so I, I really hope that they. To get back to um, some sort of success, if you can call it, you know, just getting out of that league, which will not be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think, I mean, I'm thinking of the players, there's only really like Lawrence Maguire. I think he's still there. Who, yeah, um, who was there when I was when I was there? So, um, yeah, it's, it's all changed really. I've not been back since since I left. So, uh, I'd love to go back one day. So, um, yeah. hopefully, that's that's a uh, in a higher position than they are now. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliantly put, to be fair, because uh, I think once they lost the spine of the team and they started to lose players sort of more regularly on the season, I think, I think who did they lose? It was like Dariqua, Jimmy Ryan, Sam Moores, they all left, didn't they? And I think like, like, the spine just Sorry. went. Like yeah. Josh said, even Johnson, they had him on loan. I think he went to Preston for 50 grand and now he's being yeah. like, we're like, Four million pound moves to Rangers, isn't he? So, yeah. you you you're a club size of Chesterfield. You lose probably best part of fifteen million pounds worth of player. Oh, it, you know, if we combine them on, mm. a lot of clubs do that. A lot of clubs do that. I mean, I, you you're right, but a lot of clubs do sell the best players at that level, and yeah. they. I'm not saying you can replace the likes of Morsey and um, Dariqua and Clutus, but or Doyle, but you can then. You can still sort of replicate something. You can still keep some sort of con- 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 continuity, if I can get out. Yeah. Um, and that's what they didn't have. They never, you know, each manager came in. They wanted a different idea. They'll just overhaul the squad, overhaul the squad, and it was like well, that's not worked. So we'll do it again. That's not worked now. So we didn't have to do it again. And it's just, you know, there was there was no consistency to it at all, and no probable. Didn't seem like there was a real plan. Um, Again, it's difficult. I can't. I can't comment. I'm just speaking as a as, a, as an outsider, as a fan, yeah. you know. Now, so uh, it's sad though. I think what you've just said there, it's, it's almost like what we've said before, isn't it, boys? About United on a totally different level. How yeah. the squad is like five managers worth of squad, five managers worth of you know, you've got leftovers from Ferguson still with Jones. Yeah. Um, and Smalling, as he you know, he's gone. But my point, you know what I mean? It's the similar thing, isn't it? If you don't have that vision this is where we're going to be in three years back your manager and stick to that yeah. you are and, and just yearn for success year on year and change it you're going to end up not getting anywhere unless you're absolutely shit up with recruitment in year one so yeah i think that's recruitment recruitment's massive yeah because um, that was another thing chesterfield did and I, I was thinking about him earlier you know paul cook was obviously huge and the main part of the success that Chesterfield had in that period, but there was um, another man, Paul Mitchell, who, after Paul Cook left, and 
he was still there and then after Dean Saunders left but then he was sort of dismissed and he was massive you know he brought in you know the only reason I was there really is because he went to watch Ollie Banks yeah. and brought him in and then you know because Paul Cook wouldn't know who I was it was it was it was Paul Mitchell who was going out watching games and you know he brought in Sam Clutus, uh myself Ollie you know, well that's three who did yeah. quite well so um it, that proves the point in terms of recruitment, you know, just consistency. That like the manager can change, but the the plan, like you said, about United and things like that, is uh, the plan and the the project, whatever you want to call it, has got to, got to show some sort of consistency. Yeah, 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 absolutely agree. All right, we'll move on to your quiz, Josh. I think Charlie will like the name of this one. Yeah, well, you you watch Tommy's podcast, so you'll know that he that he got five out of five. So it's not it's not my quiz; it's Tommy Lee's Pro Five quiz. He owns an alien right. He does. He does owe us a Christmas due as well. Part of season sees. So we'll see when he comes. He might let the naming rights if he doesn't send a few send a few crates through. But we'll go straight off. We'll go number one. Uh, you made your football league debut for Chesterfield under Paul Cook, as we've discussed on August thirtieth, twenty fourteen. You've spoke about the game already. Who was it against? Port Vale. Correct. As you say, early substitute, twenty ninth minute for for Sam Hurd. Yeah. Um, oh, I was nervous. <laughs> I can imagine. So nervous. Did that play a part in in your performance then? You know. I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. I felt I went on and just tried to be as calm as I could. And um, there's a funny story because at the end, obviously Mickey Adams was still the manager of Port Vale at the time, and um, a few of the players at Port Vale. You know, I never played a league game, but they're still there. You know, legends of Port Vale like Tom Pope. Yeah. Um, you've all heard of him. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, big lad. And I remember going on and winning my first few headers, and supposedly. Well, he must have done, but apparently Mickey Adams, who was the one who released me from Vale, never fell out of him, but he just, that was it, you know, the time was right, and uh, he got rid of me. And supposedly he sat, he's on the sideline shouting, Popey, Popey, come on, it's only Charlie Raglan. So all the lads at the Chesterfield bench are laughing their heads off, but then they told me after, because Mickey Adams come straight up to me and was sort of all over me a little bit, like, oh, great to see you doing so well and all this, and... Then I found out that he said that on the side. What a freak. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, we, we won the game, so I had the last line. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, right, number two. Since that league debut in 2014, you've scored seven goals. And in all but one of those matches, your team's gone on to win the game. So you're somewhat of a lucky charm. Can you name the one opponent you've scored against but went on to lose? Uh, yeah, it's just come to me now. Um, Chesterfield rivals, Mansfield. Correct. Four two yeah. defeat. Yeah. You you equalise as well, I think two two. Yeah, it's always a bad one when that's where I score. Obviously, it's a rare occasion, so I'm running off like like couldn't believe it, like over the moon, uh, and then we don't <laughs> lose. So it's just like, what a tit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right. In your league career, you've won six different shirt numbers across your four clubs. Can you name the numbers? All six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tommy said it was too easy, so I needed to make it more difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's more difficult. I, I'm just trying to think. I should. It's 16. Yeah, at Chesterfield. Then 
25. At Oxford, yeah. 22. Yeah, at Oxford again. 4. At Port Vale. 5. Yeah, at Cheltenham. One more. And then the other one when I first went, and I think it was 24. Correct. Full house. Yeah, 24. Yeah, I was panicking on. What's your, <laughs> your go-to number if you could pick one? Um, I think five. I think I always wanted to be number five, but wasn't ever good enough for the other clubs. So <laughs> uh, I remember coming, when I signed permanently for Cheltenham, Michael Duff ran me and just said, um, "There's what do you want? There's number six and number five. Uh, number six, like, bit of a ball player, number five's a meathead, so I'll give you number five. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, all right, fair enough. Duffo were number four at Burnley, so I don't know what that makes him, a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rio were number five. He went bad for a meathead, were he? Rio. <laughs> Who's that? Rio Ferdinand, he were number yeah, five. Yeah, that was it. He was probably my uh, my go-to in terms of a defen defensive hero. So, uh, yeah, yeah, if I can get close to Rio, then. <laughs> Not done bad. Yeah. Um, right, number four, you've received one red card in your league career so far. <laughs> Against who? Swindon Town. Correct. Playing for Chesterfield, 1-0 defeat. I think it was quite late on, weren't it? Yeah, it was soft. It was um, two two bookings and it was one of them where, you know when they, like, they knock it round you and you just stand there and they yeah. run into you? And it was like two of those. I mean, the lad, I think he's, I mean, he's playing for Leighton Orient now, a lad called James Brophy. Mm. left-footed jinky winger and he's I was playing right back and he just did that twice he, he just knocked it and then ran into me and um yeah I got booked twice sent off and Danny Wilson went mad and we were in a bit of a relegation fight and I think that put me out of the next then the, there was the next league game mm. and there was only two games left and we had to win one of them right um, to stay up and luckily the lads won the next game Probably because I wasn't playing. Um, <laughs> yeah, they won the next game, and uh, nothing. You know, it didn't come back to haunt me in that sense. Oh, cool. Do you go mad at you then, or mad at the decision? No, he went mad at me. And that's what I was a bit annoyed about. I thought, well, I can't really do much else. You know, I've not done. I've not done loads wrong. I've not gone in and I've not punched anyone, or I've not two-footed yeah. somebody. You know, I've not been. It was just. <laughs> I probably should have done better, but I still thought it was soft. Yeah. <laughs> Although. We've not yet we've not yet had a player though when we've asked the question about a red card who's actually said oh yeah, yeah it's spot on <laughs> every single one <laughs> yeah ref will bang out it all else though should have given me two <laughs> <more> cards <laughs> even Tommy said that didn't he about his red cards yeah yeah, yeah but it, his was Shevchenko getting him sent off mine was <laughs> lad from Leighton Orient the one yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, question five on the Tommy Lee Profile Quiz. You've played under ten managers so far in your career, including caretakers. Can you name five of them? Uh, Not all ten. Five managers? Yeah. Paul Cook? Yeah. Dean Saunders? Yeah. Danny Wilson? Three. Michael Appleton? Four. Michael Duff? Five. Five out of five. <laughs> make what, and there was another five? Ah, huh? and there's another five. There was, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll do all. Oh, Oxford, there's a couple. Dean Thomas, Paul Cook, Dean Saunders, Mark Smith, Danny Wilson, Michael Appleton, Neil Aspin, Derek. Exactly. 
We'll go with Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Derek. Michael Duff. Hellboy. You played under Pep Clotet, but never played a game as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, injured for his time. The second most famous Pep in the world. So I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's it. Five out of five. Yeah. All right. Well, mate. So one thing that we do like to, to finish off on, Charlie, if that's all right, is running through the fixtures for our teams and getting your score prediction. So you've got chances to uh, to match Tommy, if not better him. So I think Tommy got the Man United Everton score right, weren't he? I think he predicted 3-1. He did. But that got him five points, and he's on ten points, actually, on our scoreboard. Which is more well, than me, and I've been doing it for eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Um, so, if it's all right, I'll run through our teams and if you can give us our, your score prediction. Go on then. So, when this one will be coming out, it'll be Wickham versus Derby. Oof. At Wickham. At Wickham. Yeah. Derby, need a reaction. Tough place to go. 1-0 Derby. 1-0 Derby. We need to be winning that one as well. That's what I mean. <laughs> Rooney sort of, Yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. Him and uh, Liam Rossini. Yeah. Might be Paul Cook by the time this goes out. It might be, fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be five now. (laughs) (laughs) So, next one, Southampton versus Man United. Do you know, we were talking about this, a few lads in the dressing room, we were saying, like, United looking at Southampton and thinking, thank God Danny Ingsy's out. Yeah, like, that shouldn't be happening, should it? No, no. I think United. I go United two one. Two one. Do seem better away. Yeah, yeah. The last one we've got is Man City versus Burnley. Luke squinting. Ones at single digits. Yeah. Yeah, the gaff won't be happy, but I'll go uh, City 3 0. Oh, I'd, I'd be, he would be happy. I'd be delighted with that. <laughs> well, yeah, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking off like that. <laughs> no, so, no, that's absolutely class, Charlie. One thing I will ask you, though, and I think we asked Tommy as well are you happy with Ollie, or would you sack him and bring someone else in? Brutal, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, it's a difficult one because I, 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 I think I think he should be doing better than he is at this stage. Um, I think he should be getting more out of the team. Um, I mean, I know Arsenal then lost the next game, but I remember watching that game and thinking, of, you know, like the pundits on the, on the night they said Arsenal have got more of a. You can see they've got a plan and. You know, a way of playing in possession, out of possession. United were a bit all over the place, really. So, um, yeah, I, I, difficult. Obviously, the man, the man who's uh, in the news, Pochettino. He's obviously everyone. Whilst he's available, there's always going to be rumours that yeah. Solskjaer will go. So, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he can afford to lose many more games, really. Especially like Southampton, you know, and. Um, I mean, Everton was a massive result, so... What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Would you you keep him or would you opt for a different manager? 
keeping for now, keeping for now, um, and reassessing the new year. But they've got to be, they've got to be getting closer to, well, the top four. But that seems miles away at the minute. So, Just was, yeah, I'll sit on the fence and it's say keeping for now. It's one of those though, isn't it? Where obviously every United fan we've asked that question to, you know, he's a, he's a legend. You've got to give him time, and and, and we've said ourselves about stability. So I don't want to be a hypocrite, but. Like you say, Potch is there. Yeah, he won't yeah. always be there. And yeah. when he when he's taking a job elsewhere, it, it then really becomes a question of who, who the fuck is it? I can't even think yeah. of anyone else. I really can't. Yeah, um, but I, I remember at the time when they appointed him permanently, it was a case of, there was loads of people saying, you know, just go and get Pochettino now. He would have gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they like you say they they they, they went for Solskjaer, so they've got to stick with him. They can't just say, well, there's someone now available. Um, who's better? You know, you can't you can't go through life doing that because you get nowhere. So, uh, yeah, I, I I hope United get back to winning leads and you know being what they were. Um, it, it pains me to watch it because obviously I, I grew up at a time when it was again like I've said before in football, it's like it's normal watching Keane, Scholes, Gates, Beckham, Van Nistelrooy, Rooney, Ronaldo. It was just like. Every week, I just watched that. They, they were my heroes. So now, you know, my, my girlfriend's um, dad's got two season tickets. He goes every, well, when you can, goes every week. And it's like, weird going, going and yeah. comparing the teams. It's sort of like, oh, this is, it's not what it was. But uh, that's just the way it goes as well. It is. It's, um, I think every United fan, well, I can't speak for everyone, but feel the same way. Everyone wants Oli to succeed because he does. I mean, we went from Mourinho who couldn't give two shits about the club, but you can, you can tell Oli cares. He wants to do well. And, but you just need that consistency. He can't he can't keep living on loving club because I love club and I'd be a terrible manager. Yeah, well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's too hard for him in that sense. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Charlie. Yeah. The first current footballer that we've uh, we've had on this podcast and I know how busy right. you are so thank you so yeah. much thank, oh, well, thank you for thank you for having me it's been a real pleasure brilliant great. Thank you very thank much, you much. Yeah. to Cheltenham for the season oh, nice one cheers cheers what a top lad Charlie Raglan what a class act and what a moustache as well if um, if you do want to donate we'll put the link in the description um, and we've all donated so do your bit help it out because it's a great cause Make sure you comment down below, guys, that you've done it as well. Right, let's get into this week's score predictions. First, we'll go over last week's and Derby County versus Bristol City. Bristol City won 1-0. Luke, you had 1-0 Derby. Yeah, you. I don't know what to say. You're in dire, <laughs> dire straits and need a manager quickly. Absolute Kieran Dyer. Josh, you had, uh, I believe you had nil-nil. Uh, no, one-one. Um, yeah, I, I think we all thought when Cocker had gone, you'd you'd turn a bit of a corner, do all right. And I mean, Bristol are a decent team. I don't think that's your bad result. But then following it up, three-nil loss away at Borough. Um, it's not good. You you don't score goals, <laughs> and that's no. that's quite a problem. You concede quite a lot as well. Yeah. Um, you, your match this weekend is is a massive one. Yeah. I actually had us to lose 1-0 and got five points from that. I think I said it on the podcast as well last week. 
we won't turn it around until we get a new manager. Big chance this weekend against Wickham. See what happens. But I did watch the Bristol City game and we played well. We played really well. And then I watched the one against Middlesbrough and we played absolutely shit. So <laughs> I think you've got to win this weekend. I think we've got to win this weekend and next Tuesday because it's Wickham and then Coventry. So yeah. I think they're your chances to go on a run. But I know Rooney's come out and said he's taken himself out of the side this Saturday, which is absolute praise the Lord. He's dog shit anyway. Um, it'll be beneficial to some other lads. Actually, we will put in some graphs, so we'll see. Right, let's move on because it's depressing me. Burnley versus Crystal Palace. <laughs> Josh, you had nil-nil. Yeah. Um, again, I, I didn't think there'd be many goals. Um, I thought Burnley had... I don't think their defence had suit Palace's attack, and I think that turned out to be right. Um, but Burnley got that goal. Could have had a few more. Uh, Wood had a good chance in the second half. Goodmanson did. Um, yeah, very big win for him. They needed it. Luke, absolute on the money. 1-0. Told you, Ben, me. <laughs> Makes all the difference. We've had... He's been back three, uh, four games. as Ben, me. Three clean sheets, and then we got battered 3-0 by Chelsea, but that's Chelsea. Three clean sheets, five five points. That's what he does. That's what he brings to us. Yeah. We'll be fine then. <laughs> no, genuinely. Yeah. Absolutely genuinely. Any team that isn't a member of the top six, we will get points off them going forward. Because even if we don't win, we're just boring as fuck and we'll get a draw. But more importantly, we're on the cusp, potentially today, if not, definitely by Monday, of being owned by Yankee Doodles. Um, so bring on the January window when we sign in. Fuck. Get Ben <laughs> Get fucking Cannavaro in. I'll take whatever I can. But it'll just be nice in January to actually be approaching that. And with optimism, um, we need an entire new right-hand side, get a brand new right-back in. Get a winger because we can't trust Brady and Goodmanson's fitness. We need need to just splash the cash. For, spend forty million on that entire right hand side. Yeah, I had one one. I had actually a separate bet where, where Chris Wood score first and Burnley to win. So I don't even know why I went for a draw on it. <laughs> that just makes no sense. So we'll move on to Man United. Luke, you had four nil Man United versus West Brom, and it finished one nil United. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they did what they needed to do, but it's just, it's not right good, is it? Really. Don't mean to be harsh against West Brom, but, you know, they are going to get relegated without sounding brutal about it, I think. I think even a West Brom fan would acknowledge that. They can't score goals and they concede in plenty. I mean, I know they scored three against Chelsea, which kind of goes against my point, but apart from that, I think they've been pretty useless, haven't they, apart from that game, so... Yeah, yeah, it's just United struggling, really, still. Josh, yeah. you had three 0 Yeah, I thought we'd, I thought we'd do well. Um, it were a strange game because we did deserve to win, but I don't. It almost felt like because we'd not won at home, like there were a lot of pressure or, or something, and and they really seemed to struggle with that. We there were a lot of sloppy passes though, weren't they? Especially first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as the game went on, it got seemed to get sloppier and sloppier. It were, it was strange, and we just sort of let West Brom look better than they are. I think they, they should have been put to the sword and 
and out of sight. The penalty was... I mean, United's was a penalty. He stuck his arm out. I don't know why people are going mad about that, but I think West Brom's was as well. I can't believe that got overturned um, after he'd given the penalty. I didn't, oh, say, I didn't say anything to indicate that, that he'd made wrong decisions. So, strange, but you, you take it, don't you? And they're moaning about him being off his line as well, but he was miles off his line when he saved Sam Johnson. He was off his line for the second one as well. I think that's a good thing about Bruno's penalty technique. Even if keeper saves it, chances are because he does that silly little jump. That should be banned though, shouldn't it? No. Fantastic. I think it's ridiculous. I think you're ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they stopped it, didn't they, when they used to do that literally like pause for a second and then hit it. Yeah, you can still do that, I think. I think you can still do that. It's just that you have to be continuously moving, I think it is. Yeah. You can't go... No. You have to be go and then hit it type thing. That's why, like, Bruno and Jorginho do similar. They both... They're moving the entire time. They just do a little... Yeah. It's like the penalties, though. Because, I, well, I play in net, so I understand the frustration. The keepers are getting it made more difficult. You have to stay on the line. You have to do this. And it's getting easier for people taking the penalties. Why can't there be a rule where inside of the six-yard box, the keeper can come and stand? I mean, if attackers are allowed to do all sorts of shit, why can't a keeper it be a bit made easier to try and save the penalty? That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's the penalty taking is ridiculous, isn't it? So, yeah, I think, I think they're allowed to take at least one or two steps off the line. I think they'll start standing behind line. That's what well, we'll they might as well just give them a goal if they get fouled in 18-yard box. Yeah. That's it, the frustration. It, it, it certainly favours attackers now, but they're not going to change it, I don't think. But the, the bottom line is a penalty should be easier to score than to be saved because by default, nine, seven times out of, ten, <coughs> out of ten when a penalty's been given, they've been denied what would most likely have been a goal. So it should be harder for a goalkeeper to save it. And well, isn't it hard enough already when even before they brought it that they have to stay on the line? Well, that's always been the rule, hasn't it? They're just enforcing it. Yeah. It's always been the rule that they stay on the line. But... It's got to not move. Don't fall for the fucking trot. How hard is it? If you know what he's going to do, just wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not just this. <laughs> Which is what they're doing, you know. You, yeah. you know what they're going to do. They're meant to watch them. But uh, yeah, it's it is hard. It's something needs to be done. I think it it just needs to be a bit more even on it. But uh, that takes our scores anyway. From I've moved from thirty three to forty. Josh has gone from eight to ten. Well done, Josh. You're on double digits, and Come Luke on. from fifteen to twenty two. Now this weekend's fixtures. Josh, we'll start with you. Derby versus Wickham. Uh, Derby absolutely have to win this game. Um, like I've got, I think Wickham have scored. I'm checking earlier. More goals than Derby it's, still. Yeah, I think they've scored six and Derby have scored five. They've scored five. Jesus, that's impressive. Games. Um, I'm going to go Derby one nil because you have to win. Yeah, I'm going to go two nil Derby, Luke. I've kept saying you're going to win and you've kept losing, so I'm going to say 1-0 Wickham. I appreciate that. 
Right, Man City versus Burnley. Luke. 4 0. Nick Pope's injured, and we don't even care about that game. It's just some kick about. Just put, get on to the real stuff. Put kids out, yeah? Mm. Right, Man City 2 0. Same as at the Derby fixture. Josh. Um, yeah, similar. I think it'd be 3 0 City. We need to bounce back, don't we? And I don't think Burnley will put much of a fight. I think the best game this weekend then, Southampton Man United, Josh. What do you think? Uh, I was torn between 2-1 and 2-2 because Southampton will attack and cause United problems, but I think United will let them on break as well. I'll go 2-1 United. Come on, Ollie's at the wheel. I'm actually going to copy you there. I've got 2-1 in my head, Man United, and you're really shit at predicting, so I should really change it, but I'm going to stick with 2-1 United. Luke? Is this at St Mary's? Yeah. St. Mary's, yeah. 2 0 Southampton. Oh, ballsy. Danny Ings. Oh, no, is he injured? I think so. Ah, uh, 1 0 Southampton. Jay Adams been leading line, hasn't he? So. 0 0. No, I think Southampton will win. I do, and I think that could be end, end of Solskjaer. But if that does happen. Right. <laughs> We'll see. So what's your final prediction? Because there was like four, four yeah, um, <laughs> one nil Southampton. One nil. Right. Join us next week when we're joined by Mark O'Brien, who has a very special story. So stay tuned for that one, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Yeah.